listening to the Good News Project podcast with Matt Jackson. You can send Matt feedback, topic suggestions, and prayer requests at goodnewsprojectfeedback at gmail.com. Here's your host, Matt Jackson. What a wild seven days it has been in my world. No, I'm not talking about politics. I don't I do not do politics. We returned to school for the first day of the spring semester last Tuesday. And on the very first day, I got a huge wake-up call. I'm the soccer coach, the varsity assistant at Foster High School. The head coach, Rob, and I are really good friends, and we do a great job of sharing the responsibility of building the program and shaping the culture of the program. But ultimately... I'm making suggestions and Rob has the final call. One of the uh, shared responsibilities in a high school sports program is driving the bus. So on Tuesday during seventh period, I drove to Fulcher to go pick up the bus, which would take our team to Trailer Stadium for our district opener with Lamar Consolidated, one of our huge rivals. At around 5.15 p.m., I'm sitting in the school parking lot with the bus and the varsity team on the bus and I get a phone call. It's Rob. He has a bunch of friends who apparently have tested positive for COVID. And as a precaution, he is going to sit the game out tonight. And I was in charge for the evening. Uh, To be honest, I thought he was pulling my leg. We joke with each other all the time. I thought he was just trying to get over on me. But when he repeated the statement that he wasn't coming again, I could tell from his voice he was serious. My heart started pounding a little bit. It's not that I haven't coached a game before. I was the head girls coach at Thurgood Marshall High School for two years, and I've also coached Foster's JV team the past couple seasons, but to some extent, those games were completely pressure-free, and there was not a ton of expectation for the results. I mean, I received votes for coach of the year my second year at Marshall despite winning zero games. My team lost every game, but the other coaches said, hey, that guy did a heck of a job. But let me tell you, it's easy to coach when you have nothing to lose. Tuesday night, that was not the case. Our district is super tough for soccer. And if your team has an off night, chances are you're going to lose. I hung up the phone with the head coach and I got the team's attention on the bus. I let them know that Coach D wasn't coming, but that we were going to the stadium and we had a job to do. We drove to the stadium. And while the guys went through their normal warmups, I broke out my magnetic tactics board and set up our formation and Lamar's formation and explained to the guys exactly what our strategy was going to be that night. There wasn't time to try anything different, and I didn't want to change anything from what the guys were familiar with and experienced executing. I set our team up in a typical 4-5-1 formation, pressing from the front, Sorry, I know, too much soccer jargon here. And I asked each guy if they knew what their responsibility was when they took the field, and they all said yes. So just like we would have been for any other game, we took a knee, we said the Lord's Prayer, and our guys took the field. The first 30 minutes of the game were a total cluster. My midfield didn't follow any of my instructions, and the team was just getting completely overwhelmed. We gave up two awful incredibly soft goals, including our all-district goalkeeper making probably the worst mistake of his soccer life, slow playing a back pass off of an opponent's face and into our own net for an 0-2 deficit. 
We managed to half the deficit before the break, but I was so miffed at how we were playing, and most importantly, at least to me, that my team had not listened to my instructions or followed my instructions. I was so focused on that that my halftime team talk addressed more about why things had gone wrong and not how we were going to fix it. I stared at one of our team captains and asked him why they were not set up as I had instructed. His response, well, coach told us during seventh period that we were supposed to, I interrupted his statement and raised my voice to a level that I never, ever reach. I've only reached this level of anger or exasperation one other time in my life, and it was with my mother, and I don't ever want to relive that moment again. I'm not a screamer, and I'm really not a cursor, but for a regrettable split second, I let my ego get in the way of supporting and helping my team move forward, and I screamed, well, Coach D isn't bleeping here. I'm the coach. You see, as it turns out, while I was off picking up the bus, the head coach had decided to implement a new strategy specific for the team we were playing that night. I had not received that communication. And when I received the news from the coach that I was in charge that night, I didn't even think to ask him if there was anything specific I should talk about before the game. We lost the game two to one and we've dug ourselves a small hole to start district play. That loss, without question, was on the coach, me. You see, I was ready to coach, but I was not prepared to coach. To be ready means to be in a suitable state for an activity, action, or situation. Could I go coach the team on a moment's notice? Sure. I was qualified. I was an employee of the district. I had a whistle. I was driving the bus. I even had a bag of soccer balls. I even know the players' names. But was I prepared? To prepare is to ready in advance or pre-plan. Could I be ready to protect my family from a Category 3 hurricane if it showed up on my doorstep tomorrow? Sure, I could. It would be a whole lot easier to protect them and feel good about that protection if I prepared with batteries and water and non-perishable food, etc., I'm ready to pay for my kids to go to college, but it sure would be a lot smarter if I prepared to do so by saving some money so I don't have to take out a loan or a second mortgage. We go into any new year and we always try to convince ourselves that we're going to change aspects of our lives. We want to lose weight. We want to spend more time with our family. We want to find a PlayStation 5. Okay, sorry, that's just my list. Point is, we're ready to make changes, but are we prepared to do so? I know many of us may be tired of all this chaos in the world and ready for the second coming. We're ready for God to come make a change. But how can we prepare for God to come into our hearts and our lives and change us? I've got three simple ideas for you. Number one, look, this may be seeming like a simple fix, but are you spending consistent time with God? I'm no saint, friends. It took me 43 years and a pandemic to consciously and with conviction find time to be with God each and every day. 
Sure, I prayed with my kids at night since they were born, but I'm talking about some one-on-one -on -one time with just you and a Bible and God for 30 minutes. I started doing this back in May daily, and I can't tell you how relieved I feel and how empowered I feel. You read a few chapters, you read them again, you decipher the meaning of the verses, you memorize them, you pray on them, and I'm telling you, you can feel the spirit just flow right through you. It's an emotional experience that's just hard to describe. James 4.8 says, come near to God and he will come near to you. I mean, that is such an easy first step. You don't think God knows when you're calling on him? Just get into the word, that first page you open. That's God talking to you right there. The prophet Isaiah says, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. That means be consistently in God's word, and he is promising you peace of mind. In the New Testament, Peter was walking on water. But when he thought about the storm around him and lost his focus on Jesus, it was the storm that began to consume him. Tip number two, pray continually. Pray for yourself. Pray for your family. Pray for our country. Pray for Thanksgiving. Thank God for all he has done and promise him that even if your prayers go answered, even if your prayers go unanswered, you're still going to follow him. Matthew 6, 8 says, your father knows what you need before you ask him. Don't be afraid or ashamed to pray to God about anything, even when it's a prayer of confession. God already knows what you did. You just have to give him the green light to let the healing begin. Tip number three, if you really want to change the world, if you really want God to change us all, you've got to share the good news. In 2 Timothy, Paul writes, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. The time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. There's that key word again, be prepared. I mean, if that isn't the 21st century in a nutshell, then I don't know what is. Friends, hear the good news. The change that you are ready for in your own life, the change that you have been wanting, that you've been longing for in your life is there for the taking. If you will just prepare for it, commit to consistent time with God each day, pray continually, share in the good news of a Savior who died for each of us. You want God to make a change in you this year? Prepare to let him in. For something to read this week, I'm in the middle of the book called The Resolution for Men by Stephen and Alex Kendrick. They wrote the screenplay for the movies Fireproof and Courageous, which were two excellent movies, certainly worthy of your time. This book was created to deal with an ongoing crisis in our world and most certainly in America. 
You see, men have failed in their calling to take leadership responsibility for their families and follow through with God's covenant to Adam, Abraham, Joshua, and others. Society has given men permission to be irresponsible, immature, and carelessly negligent in their roles as husbands and fathers, while trying to redefine the image of what a man is or is not, rather than the definition that is clearly provided in God's word. It is a challenging book that will definitely rub some people the wrong way, but it will force every man to look in the mirror and answer the question, am I the man God wants me to be? The book calls on men to refuse to sacrifice their families for a promotion at work, refuse to let entertainment eat up all their time and deaden their conscience, and speak out against laws and philosophies that are destroying families. So very important in 2021. Rather than complaining about where our culture is headed, the resolution provides an avenue for men to change current narratives and take back what God has asked of each of us. As it says in 2 Samuel, be strong and let us show ourselves courageous for the sake of our people and for the cities of our God. And may the Lord do what is good in his sight. Something to watch. Mad Money, 5 p.m., Monday through Thursday on CNBC. Now, I'm not going to lie. One of the things that I promised myself in 2021 was that I was going to quit looking at my retirement account every single day. I'm pretty much I ruined that by January 5th. However, this long-running show, Mad Money with Jim Cramer, was a sweet little discovery by me last March during spring break when there was no sports on TV and there was nowhere to go. I know nothing about the stock market, but Jim Cramer is extremely high energy and he can make anything sound interesting. I don't watch for stock advice, of which I'm sure there's a lot, and many things that Cramer talks about go completely over my head. But I like to watch for the two or three interviews that Jim does each day with the CEOs of major companies, people like Elon Musk from Tesla and Bob Iger from Disney. You always learn a nugget or two about leadership and how to get an organization headed in a positive direction. Do yourself a favor, tape an episode or two, or if you happen to be home at 5 p.m. and can invest 20 or 30 minutes in an episode, I'm willing to bet that you will feel like you learned something from it. As a reminder, I love feedback on the pod. If there is anything good or bad you'd like to say so that I can make this pod more meaningful, entertaining, or whatever, or if there is something I can pray about, you can always tweet me at MJ, the number four sports. That's at MJ for sports or email goodnewsprojectfeedback at gmail.com. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. Do me a favor, share this pod with a friend so we can help share the positivity in 2021. For now, Matt Jackson saying so long and thank you for listening to the Good News Project. Tell me something You've been listening to the Good News Project podcast with Matt Jackson. To reach out to Matt with feedback, topic suggestions, and prayer requests, email goodnewsprojectfeedback at gmail.com.